0: Tennessee. Tennessee, 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 Lord, I've really been real stressed. Welcome back to another Facebook Live here on the Tennessee Holler page, anywhere else you get your podcasts. We're going to be talking to Andy Spears at the Tennessee Education Report pretty soon. And if you have comments about education or questions, Andy's your guy. He's a really smart guy. I've enjoyed following him for a while and I've learned a lot from him. So I'm hopeful that we can get caught up on some things today because there's always developments in the education world here in Tennessee. Follow and subscribe to the Holler and support over at tnholler.com. We are an independent site. We survive on your support. So monthly donations are really what keep us going. Even the small stuff helps. So if you go to tnholler.com and support, that would be great. We also have these cool new hats that I'm wearing. I'm wearing the white one. We've got khaki, yellow, blue, orange, pink. All of these colors are available on the site. So go there, and uh, if you donate, we'll send you one. Uh, The details are over there. And we appreciate all the support we've been getting. Yesterday, we were at a Beto O'Rourke rally in Nashville, and a lot of people, I was wearing the hat, a lot of people came up and said, Thank you for what the is doing and i really appreciate that that it's great to know that you guys are out there listening and and that you guys are supporting but i always try to impart to you is that you guys are the hauler also so we get story ideas from people all the time uh, look at this look at that we can't be everywhere we're a small skeleton crew so you are the hauler the videos you send are really helpful we post them and right now especially i would encourage you to go ask your reps uh in person whenever they're available in public if they are ready to expel Rep. David Byrd from the legislature, if they're ready to expel Glenn cassida from the legislature, and if they still support Governor Lee and his assault on public education. So please go and bird Dog your reps and send us the video. You are the holler too. So I just want to make sure that I get that message out there. And then as for the Beto rally yesterday, we're going to post a video of that this week, a little bit longer form, but I got to say, I had I know a lot of people had written him off after the debates. He wasn't somebody that surged in the polls, but he was really impressive yesterday. Uh, the energy was really good. People were very responsive, and you know, after the fact, I think everybody felt like we were glad that he's in the race. He's leading with ed- immigration, which you know, with the way that Donald Trump has made that the centerpiece of what he's doing, uh, the vitriol and the viciousness. Having a guy like Beto who can speak. Eloquently about immigration, he brings a lot of optimism. And regardless of what happens, I think it's really a good thing that he's in the conversation. So uh, go check out the video we posted that kind of went viral yesterday of Chaz Uffelman dancing with Beto the minute he walked in. It was really funny. And uh, we're going to have a longer form holler video. I was able to be like right next to Beto as he was speaking. He did a thing where he stood on a riser in the middle of the crowd rather than up on a stage and did a man of the people kind of thing. And I thought it was a subtle but effective touch. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring that to you guys. Uh, All right. So let's get to our interview today. I'm bringing in Andy right now. Andy Spears is of the Tennessee Education Report. And he is one of the people that I look to for all things education here in Tennessee. I really appreciate what you're doing, Andy. It's nice to see you. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great.
0: It's a great day. So just real quick, a little bit of your background would be great and, and what the Tennessee Education Report is and how it got started, if you could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have uh, lived in Tennessee for almost 20 years now, um, worked at the state Senate years ago for Senator, former Senator Joe Haynes, um, back when Democrats were in charge of the legislature um, and Governor Bredesen was governor and things were going well. Um and we had one of the biggest investments ever in public education um, did that for a while worked for an education nonprofit um, during that time a lot of print reporting and even um, believe it or not radio stations used to have reporters down at the Capitol all the time um, and all of that kind of went away as the Internet um, kind of took that away and so there wasn't a lot of education reporting going on so at the beginning of the 2013 session um, a couple other guys who had a blog and I got together and started Tennessee Education report and decided we were going to cover um, education at the legislature and at least do it in the 2013 session and see how it went and um now it's been six years and we get stories from all over the state um and we cover um you know we cover education policy states as local as as we get it um, you know from doing what you do um you know we depend on on hearing from people out in the field because there's just a couple of us so um you know but we try to recover the whole state and definitely give people kind of a, a up close view of what's going on with the legislature and then how does that impact teachers and kids in our schools because that's what's really most important um, and that's where policymakers tend to not be connected to classrooms and so we want to say here's this policy and then here's how it works in the real world um, and that's what we've been doing for for six years now
0: well it's been great to watch what you guys are doing, I we've been trying to help amplify it as best we can because yes, are so important. And you know, the day after you post, yours will tend to take it and put it up on the holler just so people you know really see what's going on around here. It's been great. Uh, let's start before we get into the voucher vultures and all the ugliness. Uh, can you give us like a macro view of education in Tennessee and how we stack up to the rest of the country? And I'm just going to preface it by saying my general feeling is that. Governor Lee and the supermajority Republicans tend to put rose-colored glasses on when talking about the state. They love to talk about our fiscal stability ranking. They love to make it seem like every county is Williamson County. I live in Williamson County, but when I ran for Congress, I ran in 19 counties. 18 of them were not Williamson County, and I know that people are hurting. I know that schools are not as good in some of the other counties. So what's the real state of the state when it comes to education?
1: Um, Well, so the real state of the state, uh, I think that's that's a great point is we have been about 45th in investment per student for about the last eight years since right when Bill Haslam became governor um, until now. So neither Governor Haslam and now Governor Lee with his first budget have made a dent in uh, moving our funding per student. We um, also have one of the largest teacher pay gaps in the country and that's the gap uh, teachers make about 30% less on average um, compared to similarly educated professionals. Well. Teacher Pay in America has been moving up about 4% a year since 2014 and Tennessee has been moving up about 2% a year. So we're doing, not doing a very good job of compensating our teachers. Um, and then we had a really, really good testing year in 2013, the first year we started blogging a TNED report. Um, and then since then our test scores on the NAPE and National Assessment of Educational Progress have also been stagnant. So we don't fund schools and then the results are we don't get results. Um, It's a very predictable, you kind of get what you pay for, and we're not investing in education, and therefore, um, we're not getting the results. And, um, you know, even in Williamson County, so Governor Bredesen, one of the things i talked about, you know, working with uh, in the legislature when he was governor, um, he created a formula called the BEP 2.0. It was was supposed to be the second edition of the BEP, and it was a $200 million investment up front, and then a long-term change to how the, the funding formula worked. Um, and then the recession hit in 2008, and he wasn't able to fully realize that promise. But what he says is, when he talked to Bill Haslam, when Bill Haslam became governor, he said, I want you to commit to funding BP 2.0. And he says Haslam told him he would. Two years into Haslam's term, he froze BEP 2.0 because he said it was too expensive and instead started pursuing vouchers, um, which he was not able to get past. And so... If we fully fund a BEP 2.0, even your county of Williamson, would get about $1.6 million more a year. Um, and I say that to say every county in our state is underfunded by the state, because even if Williamson County should get almost $2 more million more, um, that should tell you how bad the situation is for every other county in the state.
0: So, so just to put it in layman's terms, because, you know, I know a lot of people are not quite as schooled on the terminology. Uh, BEP is basic education plan. And this is the this is the thing that they hide behind. Right. So what they say is, well, education is fully funded. We fully fund the BEP. But the problem is the BEP hasn't been updated in 10, 15 years. So fully funding education does not mean fully funding an outdated basic education plan. It means having a new basic education plan and fully funding that. So when we say fully fund our schools, they say we are fully funding our schools. But what they really mean is we're fully funding an outdated basic education plan. They don't want to update it and fully fund that. What they want to do is privatize it and steer money towards their friends. Is that
1: about right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think one thing that I think I always go back to um, all of our state officials at the the highest level Republicans. So our comptroller of the Treasury is Justin Wilson, and he's a Republican and he runs um, an office that does all this research on, on how things are funded in the state and justin wilson says that we're underfunding our schools by about 500 million dollars a year so when the republican comptroller says we're not properly funding our schools i think the republican supermajority should listen to that and if we added that 500 million dollars that's where counties like williamson would get 1.6 million dollars i saw hamilton county just you know failed to pass a property tax increase but if that uh funding were were there that 500 million dollars they would get 27 million dollars more a year so Davidson County would get about $30 million a year, and then we wouldn't have this fight between David Briley and the teachers because Davidson County would have the money they needed to pay their teachers what they deserve. So you've got a Republican comptroller who's telling the state legislature and the governor, you're not doing your job, and instead they're passing you know, the end of the whole income tax and repealing the inheritance tax and passing along all these tax breaks to wealthy people and then next, giving money to people um, who run private schools through a voucher scheme. So Andy, I'm just going
0: to play devil's advocate here, right? Like the thing that they always say is they say, well, why would we keep throwing money at something that's not working? If these schools are failing and it's not working, why does just sending money down the pipeline actually mean that something's going to change? What do you say when people say to that?
1: Well, so interestingly, um, and I grew up in Kentucky. So, um, actually have studied school funding in Kentucky and Tennessee and compared the two and there are a lot of other states but I think Kentucky is a good comparison just demographically they're like us um, in in terms of just a lot of the the situations Kentucky is a similarly situated state so in 1990 Kentucky reformed its education system in terms of funding and in 1992 Tennessee did the same thing under governor Ned McWhorter Um, and since that time Kentucky's kids um, outscore Tennessee's kids on every category of the NAEP they are Kentucky's kids on free and reduced lunch beat Tennessee's kids by between 10 and 16 points, depending on the NAEP test. That means the poorest kids in Kentucky are 10 to 15 points ahead of the poorest kids in Tennessee. Um, and the, here's the difference they spend $1,500 more per student and pay their teachers on average between three and four thousand dollars more a year. So they're spending more money than we are. They're a smaller state, but they're spending more money and they're getting results. Um, Their goal is to be in the top 20 by 2020 in every category, and they are very close, and we are nowhere near that. Um, But they spend more money than we do. So when someone says, if you throw money at the problem, you can't solve it, I say, look at Kentucky, because for 20 years, they've been making a commitment. Republican, Democrat, no matter who the governor is, they've been committed to investing in schools, and they're getting results. So here's the thing.
0: This should not be a partisan issue, right? This is our kids that we're talking about. Republicans and Democrats all say they support education. The problem is you need to vote on education to make it matter to these people. And we can all say we support education. We can all say we support our kids. But until we start voting for the people that actually support public education, none of this is going to change. So this is an important issue. You know, my kid is three years old. I have another one on the way. But I care about it before they get in there. And I'll care about it after they get in there. And one of the things that I thought was really striking before we get into the voucher vulture stuff, which we're going to talk about, But there was an appearance that Governor Bill Lee made, I believe it was in Lawrence County, it was in either Lawrence or Hardin, it was in my district somewhere, where a woman stood up and said, I don't like what they teach in public schools, I don't want my tax dollars to go to public schools, I don't wanna have to pay for that. And instead of saying, you know what, we don't have an a la carte society where you get to choose where your tax dollars go, Bill Lee essentially said, I understand where you're coming from, I want us to be in that world also, and even though he couldn't make that happen today, he made it sound like his voucher plan was the first step in that direction. So what do you say to people who don't want their public dollars to go to public schools? They want to be able to just take their money and go
1: wherever they want to go with it. Well, I think I mean, I think you make a great point. I, you know, I don't want my tax dollars paying one more dollar to Glenn cast at a salary, but it's going to for the next couple of months. So. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that we pay for that we don't like. I think we're all better off when we have an educated society. You know, I have one child and she's in middle school, but if I had no kids, I would want kids to have access um, to education. And this is kind of part of the, well, And at a fundamental level, the Tennessee Constitution requires uh, a system of free public schools. So, you know, if you want to live in some state where they don't require that, that's fine. But um, But here... We have a, a system of free public schools that is supposed to be fully funded by our legislature and our governor. Um, you know, and I, I would say to that person, you know, run for school board, get involved. If you don't like what's going on, we have state textbook committees, we have curriculum committees. There are ways for you to get involved and that's a very fair discussion to have in terms of community values. But get involved and make your public schools look the way you want them to. Don't take my money and send it to a private school that's unaccountable, that doesn't take tests, that teaches whoever, who knows what kind of crazy stuff. Um, they're allowed to teach anything with no accountability, um, you know, and then then we've got a problem where, you know, my tax dollars are supporting uh, a school in Memphis that teaches witchcraft um, or whatever. Instead of let's all get involved and build the school system we want that helps all of our kids get ahead. Right. Well, that sure. makes,
0: all makes perfect sense. I just want to read a couple comments just so people know that we can see them. I see Danny Cook listening from northeast Tennessee past Knoxville. We do exist. Kim Spoon says $500 million underfunded, but let's send our tax money to church schools. I feel the sarcasm dripping through that one. We see you guys. Thanks for, for listening and watching. If you have any questions for Andy, type them and we can see them. Uh, let's talk about vouchers for a second, Andy. So I know that it passed 50 to 48. Uh, there's possibly an FBI investigation into how all of that went down. It was quite shady the thing that jumps out at me always is that all of the Republicans got their counties withdrawn from this plan, but only put in Nashville and Memphis, where it just so happens their representatives did not want it. And it's majority minority in a lot of these public school systems or close to it in Nashville. Uh, tell us about the backstory here. How long have they been trying to get these vouchers passed? So
1: um, for five years leading up to um Bill Haslam's last year in office of 2018, uh, 2017. Um, you had a situation where Haslam or Brian Kelsey or you know some combination of those two were trying to pass the voucher bill. And they hired all kinds of, of kind of the big name lobbyists in the legislature, spent about $8 million over five years um, trying to get vouchers passed. In, the, in 2018, there wasn't a voucher push. So there was one year where they kind of, they took a year off and they said, we'll see who the new governor is. Um, and go for, from there so um, this year was the sixth year actually the seventh year because um, if you go back um, really to the year before we started Ed report um, there have been pushes for vouchers and so um, seven years you know trying to get vouchers done couldn't do it Brian Kelsey and Bill Haslam couldn't agree uh, the lobbyists couldn't get it done you had a lot of rural legislators who didn't like it uh, because they don't want the money taken out of their schools and um, and then this year, you have Speaker Glenn Casta, who apparently was willing to do almost anything. And the FBI doesn't usually investigate unless they have a really good reason to. They've got a lot of stuff to do. Um, so I think it's definitely of concern when you see uh, people like Jason Zachary, who campaigned on being opposed to vouchers and then switched his vote in about a five minute conversation uh, with Glenn Casta and William Lambert behind the Speaker's podium. Um, and, and there are other representatives who, who have said, you know, they were promised all kinds of things. And, you know, I don't know what they're telling the FBI, and I, I certainly wasn't in those conversations, but um, based on Glencaston's other conduct, um, it would not be at all surprising if um, what he promised kind of crossed the line. Um, and, and you saw, it was a very, it was 50-48, it was one vote. Um, so you see a very narrow margin, you see some resistance. You know, let me be clear, there are a lot of Republicans who don't want vouchers, like you said, that every Republican took their counties out of it. Um, I said, sorry to interrupt you, but there was a
0: clip we have, Uh, you know, we went in with some of the protesters after this happened or when this was about to happen, actually. And we went into Crawford's office and he basically said he's against vouchers. He just made sure that his county was protected. And, you know, that's where he's coming from and didn't have a good reason for supporting them at all. And I said to him, I said, if your county was having vouchers imposed on it against your will. How would that make you feel? And he stopped for about 10 seconds and thought about it. He goes, well, I probably wouldn't like that. So they know that they're doing something to another county that they wouldn't want done unto themselves. And it's very clear that this is not something that anybody wants to be a part of, yet they're doing it. Why are they doing it? It's all about money. I, the other the other question I have for you, if it, maybe as a part of this answer, is there's a very concerning clip from Betsy DeVos on on tape where she is doing an interview. I think this might be before either when she was just made Secretary of Education or before, where she says she tells an interviewer it's a it's a faith interview, it's a religious interviewer. and she tells him that her main goal is to inv- advance God's kingdom through her education policy. So it feels like at the core of this is a push to fund religious Christian schools with the vast
1: amount of te- of, of public education dollars that exist. Is that about what's going on here? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Betsy DeVos. So to answer your first question, um, Betsy DeVos runs a group called American Federation for Children. There's a Tennessee branch, Tennessee Federation for Children, and they have spent a ton of money. Bill Lee was actually a donor. Um, he and Lee Beeman were kind of the key backers of. The Tennessee Federation for Children. So they've been Betsy DeVos friends for a long time, um, supporting this group. So, to answer your question, the reason why these people are voting for it, even though they may not want it in their county, is because they're getting campaign cash from Betsy DeVos. Um, and I, I've talked to people, um, Republican, Democrat, Independent, teachers, parents. No one likes Betsy DeVos because she's really bad at her job. And I talked about this last week on a, ra- on a different radio show. I don't know if it was possible to make Detroit public schools worse, but Betsy DeVos did. They were really bad. And then she came in and said, we're going to have a free for all for charters. We're going to have to do all the stuff with vouchers. The DeVos family spent tons of money, $200 million based on her testimony um, in Michigan politics to change the Detroit public schools. And actually they're even worse than they were before the DeVos family came in. Um, So, you know, yes, they want to take over and make them make the, make, these um, use public school dollars to fund religious schools. And I think the best model for that, um, maybe what happened in Indiana. So you had one governor, Mitch Daniels, who started a voucher program. um, And then a guy we all know named Mike Pence became governor and decided he wanted to spend as much money as he could on private Christian schools. And so he vastly expanded the voucher program in Indiana that funds almost exclusively Christian schools there. And it cost the state about $150 million a year local districts all over Indiana, not just in Indianapolis, where this started in the big city, um, have had to raise property taxes by an average of 10 to 15 cents, um, which if you live in a rural county can be a lot of money. And so you can't be fooled. If you live in a rural county and your representative says this won't affect us, it absolutely will. That's exactly what happened in Indiana. Indianapolis was the experiment place for vouchers and now every rural district is raising taxes to cover the voucher scheme that Mike Pence expanded. And that's what Bill Lee wants. That's his model for this program. It sounds like Memphis, Memphis and Nashville today, but it's it's going to affect your school district, not just now when there's less money in the BEP, the funding formula, but Bill Lee's second term is all about expanding this program outside of Memphis and Nashville to every district in our state. Right. This yeah. is just the beginning. That's very clear. I'm
0: uh, just reading a couple quotes here. Danny Cook says religion in Tennessee driving legislation is an issue that continues to set us back. Equal rights for everyone else doesn't mean less rights for you. It's not pie. Kim Spoon says research has repeatedly proven vouchers do not work. Uh, so vouchers, the warning was that once this was passed, pop up private schools would flock to these areas to take advantage of this money, and we're already seeing that happen. A, a school called Fails Academy. I did some looking into it. Uh, it's their their whole idea is that they can cut costs by not having administration, not having sports teams, having smaller buildings, but other things that they don't have are uh, students with special needs and disabilities, accredited teachers. So essentially the conversation becomes, you know, the defense for this is, well, parents should make the decision that they want to make and they should have the choice. If they want to send their schools to a kid, like to a school like that, their kids to a school like that, they should be able to. It's sort of the same discussion as with healthcare, where people say we should be able to have these health insurance companies offer plans that don't actually cover everything. But that's the coverage that they get. The problem is that what it does is it deteriorates the system. So obviously, when you take public school dollars and send them to private schools, yes, it's nice that one kid gets to leave. But the kids that get left behind that don't have that opportunity or that choice, things just get worse for them. So I I would ask, you know, what conversation can we have to prepare people for? Because Thales Academy has a town hall coming up, I think, next week or the week after. I'm planning on going to that. I'm sure you will, too. And what conversation can we have right now that will prepare people to ask the right
1: questions to Thales Academy when that town hall happens? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the, you know, I think some of the stuff you brought up. So, you know, not only do they not have... um, you know they don't have sports teams. They don't have a cafeteria, so they just have food brought in and they eat there. Um, they talk about you know using the classroom for recreational space. So they're doing everything they can to cut corners, and they've made um, interestingly. This the guy who runs this is an HVAC guy, just like Bill Lee. He runs a, a a ventilation company for for major restaurants, so that's what he does instead of running schools. Um, he talks about direct instruction. I would ask a lot of questions about direct instruction, uh, which I think most educators would tell you is not. The best way to approach um, kids, and 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 so, um, I would ask about that. I would ask about you know our kids eating in their rooms. I would ask uh, what happens if my kid has special needs? What happens if my kid is gifted? Uh, what about discipline policies? You see a lot of of private and charter schools, especially, kicking out anybody who has even the the slightest behavioral problem. So rather than working with those kids, they just send them back to the regular public schools where somebody else has to deal with the problem. And they, and there's no accountability, right? Like. We don't actually have a way of measuring these
0: schools relative to public schools who bear the burden of having to provide a free and appropriate education to every single kid, no matter what. So when we start comparing one school to the other, they don't have the same testing requirements. They don't have the same accountability requirements. And it's really not possible to say that you support public schools and then also support these choice programs that eat away at it. And I am, you know, look, I went to private school for part of my education and for a majority of it, frankly. And, you know, I think private schools are great, but never once did I think, oh, I should be able to take public money and steer it towards this. I I don't think anybody that supports public schools is mad that private schools exist. We just want to have a baseline whereby everybody in this country has access to a good education and then if you have the resources to go get a better education, you're able to. Is that is that something that seems unreasonable to you? And how do you talk to people who they they stick, they cling to this choice word and they make it sound so pretty. But but there's really a flip side to it.
1: Yeah. Well, so I think there's a great there's a great meme about um, someone who says, you know, I really don't like the public park. I think the public, you know, I think tax dollars should pay for my membership in a country club because that would be a mo- more fun place for me and my family to go. And it's the same thing, you know, maybe this private school is great. Maybe, you know, MBA or Pope John Paul out in Sumner County where I am is a great school. And if you want to pay the extra to go to that, that's outstanding. But all of us, like you said, have, should have benefit from, um, and 95% of kids in Tennessee are educated in public schools. We all benefit from um, a, a thriving, strong system of public education. And then if there are good private schools and you want to, you know, spend a little bit more money to, to cover that, um, that's outstanding. The other thing I think is interesting is that you, we're now seeing these studies, especially in Indiana and Louisiana, where they have these statewide voucher programs, and a lot of these private schools are actually getting worse results. So you're having kids taking tests, and they're comparing apples to apples, and the private school apples are rotten. They're just, they're just not getting the results. And so you know, you've got kids falling behind in math. Parents figure that out. Then they're sending that kid back to public school. Now they're a year behind, and the public school has to make that up. Um, just because it's a private school does not mean it's a better school there are certainly some excellent private schools um, but you've got you know I don't know what the results are at Thales Academy you know if you read some of the reviews online a lot of the parents weren't happy um, and their kids went back to a public school they brag about not being accredited which is a concern for me their teachers have no baseline accountability Um, that's a concern and then if you look at test results in other states you know, the, the evidence is pretty clear They 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 don't do any better and sometimes worse.
0: That's the thing that I think gets lost is that the test results are not better. So you, a lot of times you have kids who just aren't prepared for these schools that get sent to them because they're different than the schools that they're in, but they're not better. Another thing that I, I wanted to bring up with you, and I wondered if you have any ideas about this, because I had a really long talk with uh, John DeBerry, uh, senior, junior, I'm not sure which one he is, but Anyway, he's for vouchers. He was also for the heartbeat bill. You know, a lot of people are saying that he's a Democrat and name only on a lot of this stuff. But the conversation that we had, we found some common ground and the common ground was about this. The common ground was that one thing that doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about fixing our public school systems is districting. And that a lot of times we have these districts drawn, especially in Memphis, that separate kids. So you'll have, you know, poorer Uh, uh, more ethnically diverse kids in one district, and then you'll have sort of the white kids segregated out. And so the bottom drops out on the kids in, in the, in the poorer minority communities. Whereas in a place like Clarksville, which was in my district, it's the fifth biggest city in Tennessee, the top four all have failing schools. Clarksville has none. And in Clarksville, they don't draw their districts that way. You have kids from the Lincoln homes going to school with kids from good neighborhoods. So when I mentioned that to DeBerry, he, he who is a voucher guy, he perked up and he said, now there, I agree with you. So is districting a part of this? And is districting something that might be able to be some common ground for people on both sides of this equation that we can look at and say, hey, we need to have kids who are poor going to school with kids who are wealthy. And the
1: more we segregate, the worse our schools are going to get. Yeah, I th- well, there's been a lot of really good research about um one of the things that we do that outside of state money is we use property taxes to fund our schools and so one of the things that's interesting is in communities where the property tax base is low and this gets to the kind of district and you draw these districts um, And then the tax base is low the parents don't have extra money And so the kids necessarily get a less well-funded education and there's definitely I think um, You know part of the voucher discussion to me gets to um the segregation issue. It's, we want to pull out kids and make the schools for, for our kids. Um, That's how this started. I, I,
0: let's, let's be clear. That's how this all started. This all started with desegregation. Vouchers started as an idea for white people to flee the schools that black kids were coming to and take public dollars to go do that. That's the roots of this whole thing. No matter what right. you try to say about vouchers now, its roots are in
1: racism and segregation. Right. And so, and like you said at the beginning of, of this, you know, Nashville and Memphis both have majority of the students are are children of color and you have a majority, supermajority white legislature. Um, telling parents of children of color what to do with their kids and where they should go to school. Um, and, and that's, you know, that gets to the historic racism that's that's happened in the South. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very uncomfortable place to be. And then, then you definitely, you know, what, what John DeBerry said is right. I mean, even within those districts, you're drawing lines to keep, you know, people racially segregated. Um, and what we know that causes is that that the children of color are going to lose out. And and this voucher scheme is only going to make that worse. Um, right. And so I think ultimately that
0: that fundamental thing, like one of the things that happens when you have wealthy kids going to school with poor kids is you have, the like you said, the tax base lifted up. You have parents contributing more to the school's. And, and lifting everybody up. So, you know, regardless of the minutia around vouchers and charters and whatever else, it's all about separation. And the more connected we have, the more together we are, the more the top lifts up the bottom. And at, at, it's a fundamental point across all of the issues that we face, whether it be healthcare, whether it be, you know, anything else, we're talking about separation versus togetherness. Community versus, you know, I'm in this for myself and vouchers and charters, whether there's a good charter school or a bad charter school or whether vouchers do something good for one kid. At the bottom line is it's about separation. And I I always go back to there's a a movie called uh, Where to Invade Next that Michael Moore made. And the number one uh, uh, education system in the world is, is Finland. And they don't really have private schools. They don't have for profit. So you have a lot of kids who are poor going to school. With kids who are well, I mean, there may be some sort of something there, but the bottom line is in, in Finland, private schools don't exist. So you, poor kids go to school with rich kids. Everybody gets lifted up. And I'm not saying private schools shouldn't exist. But the
1: fundamental principle is the more we separate kids, the more the kids at the bottom get hurt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, we, we see growing income inequality. Um one thing I think is also connected here. We talked about healthcare a little bit is you know, Tennessee has the highest percentage of, of residents working. <laughs> so we have you know, a lot of kids whose parents are working at two or three minimum wage jobs. Um, and those kids are separated from you know, those people can't take off work and go to a parent teacher conference, they can't um help fund the PTO, um, they can't you know, help coach a sports team or, or sponsor the, the quiz bowl team, and those kids lose out. And if all those kids are in the same school, it means You've got a school full of kids with a lot of challenges, um, whose parents necessarily can't be involved, and so we've got these other larger issues. Um, and a voucher's not going to help that. You can that, send that kid right. to a private it, school. So, such, such a good point you make, and
0: you know, parental involvement is such a, a, a obvious factor in how these kids do and how the schools do. And then you have Gloria Johnson standing there in front of uh, the, the education subcommittee proposing, I think it was even just four hours off so that, you know, to, to require employers to give four hours off to, to parents so that they could leave their jobs and go participate a little bit more, you know, not to mention paid family leave, which is obviously another big deal. And she literally got laughed at by Republicans on the sure. committee, essentially saying, nice try, like, like she was asking for the world when all she's saying is, let's let these parents get involved. So how can you say that you're for education? It is an economic inequality thing. And, and the, I think the best way you hit on it, the best way that we can fix a lot of the problems we have is to deal with this economic inequality, to raise the wage, to do things that actually help people in their lives, give people paid family leave. These are the real issues. And and,
1: it, and our education is a symptom of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I mean, so. I want to say one thing too. I did some work uh, years ago at a nonprofit, and we did some work in Memphis. And FedEx was great about making sure their employees could could go and get involved because they believed um, that the parents being involved in school helped the school, help the kids, help the community. Um, but what Gloria wanted to do was was outstanding. It's what what every employer should do, um, and that basic requirement of getting. You know, I've talked to teachers who are so frustrated because the kids whose parents they really want to see. Um, can't get to school not necessarily not because they don't want to because they can't because they work an hourly job and they can't get off for an hour or two hours to get to school and have a conference and so the teacher never sees that parent um and sometimes even a a 15-minute conversation with the mom or a dad can make a huge difference in a child's life and so you know that basic thing that thing that fedex gets is what every tennessee employer should get if it takes a law to be passed to make that happen um you know, that's what should happen. If you, We hear all the time, you know, we don't, need, we don't need to throw money at the problem. We need parents in the schools. And then you have the legislature saying, well, no, we're not going to actually make that happen. Um, and what they're really saying is we don't care about people who are poor, period.
0: Period. And if you do and you want anything to change, you're a socialist. And that's <laughs> yeah. the world that we live in. And, and you know, that, that's part of why we're doing things like this and part of why we started the holler is, you know, we need to change the narrative. We need to get the message out there that these guys are not actually supporting public schools, they're not actually supporting poor people. And by poor people, we're not talking about black people or Latino people, we're talking about poor people. And most of the time in this state, that's white also. And you know, our rural communities are really struggling. And all of the policies that we're talking about will help them greatly. And the, the, the thing that I get really frustrated by, and this happened all the time when I was running for Congress, is you would say to somebody, you know, I'm running for Congress and their immediate reaction is, well. Oh, well, the government never did anything for me. And and then you say, OK, well, how about some health care? How about funding education? And They say, no, that's socialism. Stay away from me. So on the one hand, you say the government never did anything for me. On the other hand, you don't want the government anywhere near you. And that's a really tough thing to fight through. So we just need to keep trying. We need to keep fighting with the messaging. You need to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm seeing a few of the comments here. Pam Swanner says, bring back community schools. <clears throat> Nancy Jackson says, thank you for addressing the very real problem of racial segregation and economic inequality. And absolutely, thank you for saying that. Andy, I don't want to keep you forever. Thank you for doing this. Do you have any last words that you want to leave people with? What can people do right now, aside from following at TN Ed report and at the Andy Spears on Twitter to push back and fight back? The thing that I would say is show up at the town halls video people, ask them if they still support vouchers, ask them if they're ready to expel David Byrd. We need to be asking all the tough questions on video, and the hauler is here to amplify it. So what would you say to people who are asking how they can help?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that you have to make your legislators uncomfortable. One thing that's really exciting to me is in Kentucky, they passed a law um, that would allow charter schools, and then teachers and parents rose up and told the legislature the next year, and they went to committee meetings, and they said, don't fund it. And they didn't fund it. And so there's still not a charter school in Kentucky. It's one of only nine states without a charter school. And so I would say to your legislators, will you, will you um, repeal the funding for the charter school act at least until the FBI investigations um, over, but go to the meeting, ask them the question, call them. Um, I, I'm in a place where I, all my representatives are Republicans, but they all will take my phone call and they will listen to you. Um, and if 10 or 15 or 20 people make phone calls, they'll start paying attention. So I'm going to ask you to do something.
0: And will you write a list of questions people should ask their reps? And then we will put that on the holler and we will, we will pin that somewhere on the holler because I think it's really important for people to know what to ask. And I think you could phrase it really well. So if you'll make a list of questions, people should ask their representatives. We'll post that and pin that and make it accessible to people. And I think that would be really helpful. Maybe you could put it on your site too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I would love to do that. And, and, you know, like you said, show up, make a phone call, ask the questions. I can definitely, you know, think of, you know, four to five questions that you can ask that are that are simple and get to the point of do they support public schools or not? Awesome. And will you be at the Fails Academy Town Hall? Yeah, I, I, I plan to be there. I'd love to get some video and all, I just want, I want to hear their story. Me, too. I will be
0: there, too. I will see you there. Thanks for doing this. Again, this will be on TNHoller.com. This interview will be on our iTunes page and uh, please support the Holler, support the TN Ed report. The sites like ours need your help. We, we don't report to anybody other than the people. So contributions to keep us going are really helpful. Andy, thanks so much for what you do, man. Keep it up.
1: All right. Thank you. Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. to tennis.